from iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case Roe v. Wade, starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm your host, Mike De Niro. Before we get into the Super Stack Show, I want to thank all my fans from all over the world. Thank you for always riding and supporting the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. I'm talking about my fans from UK, Canada, Mexico, the United States, Taiwan, Philippines, Cambodia, Germany. Yo, the list goes on and on. I appreciate everyone worldwide and everyone who rides with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. If you don't already, follow us on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow us on TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow us on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. And make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now in the brand new facility. We are now in the Wrestling DeLorean Studios. Shit is sounding crispy up in this bitch. And I want to thank everyone because without you guys there would be none of us none of this would be even possible so thank you so much for supporting the video of the podcast will start coming out very soon on the youtube channel you don't want to miss that i can't thank you guys enough i hope everyone had a great holidays everyone's about to prepare for a new year and we're going to go into the new year right because we're going to start it off with the wrestling DeLorean podcast on christmas i gave you guys the uncut uncensored version of the interview I had with the one and only Vince Russo. So that means today on this Monday, we have a whole lot to cover. We're going to be talking about last week's AEW Dynamite. We're going to be talking about AEW Rampage. We're going to be going back in time twice today. We're going to be talking about Saturday Night's Main Event Episode 2, the second ever Saturday Night's Main Event from 1985. And we will be talking about Monday Night Raw from 1997. We got a super stack show. So without further ado, let's cut the talk. Let's cut the chit chat. Let's get right into this super stack show. Yeah, we got so much to cover today. We have so much to talk about. Thank you, everybody who was riding with us. Like I said, on Christmas, I didn't want to give you guys a show with material. I wanted to give you guys a bit of a gift, you know what I mean? I didn't want to give you a show, a typical show. It, it's it's Christmas. It's the holidays. I want to give you guys something special. So I gave you guys the uncut, uncensored version of the Vince Russo interview where we got into topics such as the Bash at the Beach 2000 with Jeff Jarrett and Hulk Hogan. His time in WWF, WCW, TNA, his current opinion on the landscape of professional wrestling, his opinion on AEW, the people he loved to work with the most, the people he hated working with. We go into a lot of details on a lot of shit, so make sure if you haven't checked that out, go to the Christmas episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast and check out the interview with Vince Russo. If you want to see the visuals of me talking to Russo, because you want to see my handsome fucking face, and if you want to see... Russo, uh, you could check us out and watch that interview on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast on YouTube. But today we're going to be talking about all the wrestling action, all the crazy shit that went down last week. We're going to be talking about all that. And we're going to be going back in time. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Monday Night Raw. We're going to be talking about Saturday night's main event. So let's get into it right now. I want to take you guys back to Wednesday, last Wednesday, AEW Dynamite. Let's talk about what was a great episode for AEW, the Holiday Bash episode of AEW. And we got some, you know, surprises on the show right off the bat. 
we have a new member of the AEW roster. During the first opening matchup, Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy, they had a good matchup. Shit got, you know, some time. They had good chemistry. And, the, you know, we got we got some run-ins. The best friends came in. The Young Bucks had a run-in. Bobby Fish had a run-in. But out of nowhere, we got the debut of Kyle O'Reilly. He attacks Orange Cassidy. He joins Adam Cole. He helps Adam Cole get the victory. After the matchup, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly are all in the ring. The Young Bucks look a little confused. Who is Adam Cole with? Is he going to be rocking with the Undisputed Era, or is he going to be rocking with the Elite? And I think that's going to be something that's going to lead to a lot of intriguing television because we're going to be getting, in my opinion, this is how I would book it, you, you, you have this stretched out for a while. Have this stretched out for a while so we could get the return of Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega then aligns with the Young Bucks. Adam Cole is with Red Dragon. And we get the dream match that we all wanted to see about two years ago when AEW first was on television when they were going head-to-head with NXT. And we get the Undisputed Era versus the Elite. And as I bring that up, think about the landscape of wrestling. Think about how the landscape changed. There's reports right now that Johnny Gargano is strongly considering coming to AEW. Guys like Keith Lee is no longer with the WWE. He could possibly show up in AEW. The Undisputed Error, besides Roderick Strong, is in AEW. Think about that. When NXT was competing against AEW, who was the guys carrying that company to actually compete with AEW? It was Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano. Everyone I just mentioned is now gone and could possibly be in AEW. The majority of everybody I just mentioned is in AEW already. Kyle O'Reilly is a guy who probably was not going to get a chance in this new landscape of wrestling. Well, in the new landscape of the WWE, I mean. Being that Kyle O'Reilly is not a guy that is that prototypical six foot four, 220 pounder. You know, this is why the rebranding of NXT kind of was a disservice for the current roster that they had. Guys like Kyle O'Reilly, who was getting world title shots, who was on the brink of becoming a big single star, who broke away from the Undisputed Era beat Adam Cole in their series of matches. And then NXT rebrands and he's jobbing out to Von Wagner or Van Wagner. A guy who no one knew who he was four months ago. See that that's 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 just crazy to me. But this is not about NXT. This is about AEW. Kyle O'Reilly is here in AEW. And already within the first couple minutes of his debut, he's already slotted into a top angle in AEW. And he will be making his in-ring debut this Wednesday on Dynamite as Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, and Bobby Fish, the Undisputed Era. I don't know what they're going to be calling themselves here in AEW, but the Undisputed Era will be going against the team of Tremperetta, Chuck Taylor, and Orange Cassidy, the best friends. That's going to be a good matchup. But that's just how the show started. We next get a look at the uh, Hangman, Adam Page, and American Dragon, Brian Danielson, our time limit draw. It is announced that on January 5th, the very first AEW Dynamite on TBS coming from Newark, New Jersey, it will be the rematch. We will be getting Hangman versus Brian Danielson too. Tony Schiavone then comes to the ring. He brings out Hangman Page. Hangman says he's disappointed. Everyone's saying that this is the best match of his career. Everyone was saying that he had a hell of a match, but he did not beat Brian Danielson. At the end of the day, he did not beat Danielson. So he's not going to take this as a victory. He's taking this as a defeat. He wants a clean victory over Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson then comes out. He proposes that the match on January 5th has judges. He said, just in case it goes to another draw. Hangman says, fuck that. He says, I, I, you know, if you want to just give a old-ass wrestler a payday to come in as a judge, then whatever. He said he would have rathered a no-time limit, a cage match, a ladder match, something else. But 
If this is the game that Danielson wants to play, he will beat Danielson at his own game. So the stage is set, in my opinion, maybe a little too soon. I, I, I don't need the rematch right away. I think that they could have rolled this out for a while. This could have been the main event of Double or Nothing 2022. I didn't think that it needed to be done so quickly. The match just happened two weeks ago. And it's already going to be taking place again next week. Like, let it simmer a little bit. Let it, let it sit in our minds a little bit. Let us think about, wow, let's, let's, let's anticipate it a little bit more. Instead of just give, 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 let's let it drag out a little bit. And AEW is good for long-term story building. So, I mean, we might not get a clean victory here either. We may get another draw. Who knows? But I don't think that this match is going to be the ending of the feud. If anything, I think the feud ends at a pay-per-view. Right now, the talk of the wrestling world is this Iron Man, well, not Iron Man match, but this 60-minute time limit draw between Hangman Page and Brian Danielson. So why blow it off so quickly? I say we get another no contest. How that happens, I don't know. But this has to continue. Next on the show, we got MJF in the pinnacle. They're talking, well, MJF gets at Wardlow. He's talking about CM Punk. He gets at CM Punk. Tonight, we got the big six-man tag. But first, Wardlow is in a match with Captain Sean Dean. That's a pretty much a squash match. Wardlow hits, well, pretty much, it definitely was a squash match. He hit Sean Dean with four power bombs and gets the victory. Afterwards, Sean Spears attacks Dean with the chair. Wardlow wants no part of it. He just walks off. Dan Lambert's here. He's kind of promo on Tony Khan. He's kind of a promo on uh, Cody Rhodes. He calls Cody Rhodes a bigger dick than him. He's saying that whoever wins the matchup between Cody and Sammy Guevara for the TNT title this Friday at Rampage, he wants his guys at American Top Team to get the first title shot. We then get a video package for Owen Hart, and it is announcing the Owen Hart Cup the tournament that will be a tournament for both the women and the men of AEW. We're going to be getting the culmination of the Owen at Double or Nothing this year. I think the tournament will be starting on January 5th at on TBS. So that's really cool. Always cool to see them show respect to a legend, especially Owen Hart, who we hasn't been seen in wrestling for years. I think that's definitely awesome to see. We next get the semifinal round between... Well, the semifinal round of the TBS tournament between Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho. There was a bit of a, I guess, a wardrobe malfunction in this matchup where Ruby Soho starts the match and she's trying to get out of her jacket and she can't get out of her jacket. She's really trying to get out of this jacket. Her, her wrist seems stuck on the arm of the jacket. Nyla tries to rip it off. She can't get it off. The referee tries to take it off. They can't get it off. So it's, it's a funny moment, but, you know, it's definitely unfortunate. But in the end, it ended up being a good matchup. Ruby Soho gets the victory. She goes on to the next round. I just want to take a second. I don't want to give no respect to the fucking scumbag that was in the crowd with the fucking stupid-ass sign. I'm not even going to give the sign any respect. But the person who was in the crowd who got ejected for the derogatory sign that he had against Nyla Rose, go fuck yourself. There's no place in wrestling right now for fans who are pieces of shit like you who try to come to the show and rile up the wrestlers thinking that the show should be about you trying to steal the fucking spotlight and just having fucking hateful derogatory shit that you come with. Like, you know what? I'm so glad that AEW ejected the person, took the sign. Go fuck yourself, okay? But that's the last I'm going to talk about that scumbag because I'm not going to fucking give that person any light of day. Anyway, Ruby Soho goes on. She will be facing the winner of next week's matchup between Thunder Rosa and Jade Cargill. I'm looking forward to see how this tournament shapes out, who's in the finals, and how it's going to end. I personally think it's going to be a, a finals between Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho. I would love to see Ruby Soho versus Thunder Rosa. I just think that they saved Thunder Rosa for Britt Baker's AEW women's title. So... I don't think that Thunder Rosa is going to be a double champion. I think that that's what they're going to hold off on right now. We got a Serena Deeb and Hikaru Shida promo here. I really like this feud between uh, Shida and Deeb. I think that it's good that they're giving women more airtime on AEW. And I think that there needs to be sub-feuds that don't have to do with the title. 
And this little hate feud between Deeb and uh, Ricardo Sheeta has been really well. They have great chemistry. And every time they mix it up, they have a great matchup. I think they already had three matches already. And I honestly am excited to see these two back in the ring. They bring intensity. They bring the action. Like I said, they have great chemistry. So I'm looking forward to Serena Deeb versus Ricardo Sheeta. I think for the fourth time. Really good matchup. Next, we got Griff Garrison versus Malachi Black. Malachi Black just absolutely destroys Garrison. He destroys Brian Pillman on the outside. He hits the Black Mass on Garrison for the win. Then he hits the Black Mass on Brian Pillman after. Malachi Black is just a fucking monster. But where do they we go from here? I know that we got the impending debut of Brody King. He is going to be Malachi Black's muscle. He's going to be a part of the House of Black. But where do we go from here? Do we get Malachi Black versus Cody for the... Well, shit, I just spoiled Rampage. Uh, We'll be talking about that. But we're going to be getting Malachi Black versus Cody for the TNT title. Maybe. Will we be getting Malachi Black in another feud? I think that this guy is too good just to be having random matches. He doesn't need to be having random matches. He's special. So let's treat him special. Speaking of special, let's talk about a very special main event. MJF and FTR versus Sting, Darby Allin, and CM Punk. Let's set the stage. We're in the Greensboro Coliseum. First of all, we got the legendary David Crockett ringside. Sting comes out with this awesome-ass CM Punk-inspired face paint where it has like the CM Punk cross fists on his head. Really awesome face paint. Darby Allen comes out with this really cool pink and black face paint. And CM Punk comes out with this old school Surfer Sting inspired face paint. And he has the Surfer Sting inspired ring gear. They just looked awesome. Ringside collectibles. Let's get a ringside exclusive Jazzwares. Jazzwares. Come on. Jeremy Padauer. If there was ever a time to make an exclusive of figures, this was so toyetic. And I'm a big wrestling figure collector. And I never really talk about that here on the podcast, but I would cop a figure of these. Of, if it was a three-pack of Darby, Sting, and CM Punk, all from the attires of this night, I would cop that in a second. This matchup was fucking awesome. First of all, this was Sting's first time wrestling in the Greensboro Coliseum in 27 years. This was the first time that CM Punk main evented an AEW Dynamite. CM Punk's first main event matchup in about seven years. MJF and CM Punk, them having the Tom and Jerry running around the whole fucking Greensboro Coliseum was awesome. Sting is like, look, I'm going to be the first to say that Sting, his WWE reign, well, his WWE run, I mean, he was looking a little old. Sting was looking his age. And that's okay. Sting had a hell of a career. He was looking his age. Sting never stopped. Sting never took time off. From the 80s all the way on to when he came to the WWE. So for Sting to miss a step, it's to be understood. It is to be expected. But somewhere between Sting getting injured in the WWE leaving the WWE and coming to AEW, Sting has been drinking from the fountain of youth because this man right here, the man called Sting, is wrestling like he's a young man again. I'm not going to say like old school Sting. But the guy does not look 62. Doing fucking dives from the top rope to the outside is not a 62-year-old man thing to do. The guy is taking bumps and getting right back up. Sting is still the man. The fact that in 2022, practically, I'm saying that Sting is in the main event of a fucking televised wrestling show and he looked like a million bucks and was the wrestler of the match. You got young guys like Darby and fucking MJF who are going to be the future of this business. You have veterans like FTR and CM Punk. But who are we talking about? We're talking about the legendary Sting. He was the MVP of this matchup. In the end, after a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup, 
CM Punk, Sting, and Darby Allin pick up the victory over MJF and FTR. What a great, great, great main event. This was a phenomenal show. Everything from the debut of Kyle O'Reilly, even the Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy match was great. I really did enjoy Nyla and Ruby Soho. I really liked to see the squash where Malachi Black just looked like a million bucks. And then you ended off with a great main event with legendary figures in there like CM Punk and Sting. With the future in there like Darby Allin and MJF. And with the best tag team in wrestling today, FTR. All in one matchup. This was a phenomenal matchup. I really enjoyed AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash. I give this shit a strong 4 out of 5 stars. Was really, really good. But AEW Holiday Bash is not over yet. We have AEW Rampage Holiday Bash that took place on Christmas night at 9 o'clock on TNT. We had a good show. A really good show. Isaiah Cassidy versus Jungle Boy started out the show. Was a pretty good matchup. Jungle Boy, it was pretty much a a spotlight for Jungle Boy, but we did see Isaiah Cassidy get some offense in. To be honest, I think it went a little too long. I think that Jungle Boy now should be at the at the next level. Let's talk about the four pillars for a second. MJF is in there mixing it up with CM Punk. He's in there getting victories over Cody Rhodes. He's the Dynamite Diamond Ring winner three times. He has his own stable. He's the leader of his own stable, I should say. That's pillar one. Sammy Guevara, one of the top guys in the company. He is the TNT champion before this night. He mixing it up with Chris Jericho. He's mixing it up with uh, Santana and Ortiz. He's got a lot of big moments. He has a lot of highlight reel moments in AEW. Pillar number three, Darby Allin, former TNT champion. Mixing it up with Sting. Main events at countless shows. CM Punk chose him as his return match. And then you got pillar number four. And pillar number four is Jungle Boy. And there's not much to be said for Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is a phenomenal wrestler. He's the future. He looks great. He's amazing. And I am a huge Jungle Boy fan. But there's not much to be said about accolades that he has in AEW. Hasn't won a title. Hasn't main events in many matches. Or many shows, I should say. Hasn't been the marquee guy on shows. Where Sammy, MJF, and Darby Allin all have been. So, I look at why. Why isn't Jungle Boy getting the same amount of respect as the other four pillars? And for people who are saying the fifth pillar is Britt Baker, Britt Baker gets a whole lot more than Jungle Boy as well. Now, Jungle Boy is a great wrestler. Jungle Boy looks the part. Jungle Boy is the star. He's amazing. He could cut a promo. He looks great. He's a good wrestler. So what's the disconnect? I don't think there is a disconnect. I just think that right now there is such a bloated roster that you don't have time to always showcase everybody. But when you are going to showcase somebody like Jungle Boy, why are you going to have him in a match against Isaiah Cassidy where the match goes about like 15 minutes and Isaiah Cassidy gets a lot of offense in? Isaiah Cassidy, all respect to him. I used to train with Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Quinn in the House of Glory school. So I got nothing but respect for them. But you're not on Jungle Boy's level. That match should have been booked better. Now, I could understand not having a squash match. I could understand why you wouldn't give Jungle Boy a squash match because you have a squash match later on in the show. Actually, the next match is a squash match. So I could understand why. But you just having a random match with Isaiah Cassidy. It don't make sense. They're not in a feud. The, the, The Jurassic Express is not in a feud right now with the Hardy family office. So why is he going against the Hardy family office? Last time we seen Jungle Boy, Jungle Boy attacked the acclaimed. Jungle Boy attacked 3.0 or 2.0, sorry. So if Jungle Boy attacks 2.0 and the acclaimed, why aren't we getting Jungle Boy versus Anthony Bowens? Why aren't we getting Jungle Boy versus 
Max Caster, Matt Lee, Jeff Parker, Daniel Garcia. Now, maybe you save 2.0 because right now they're in the feud with Eddie Kingston and the uh, Proud and Powerful. But, I mean, this was, this was just a random matchup for Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is not getting the same love as the other pillars. And he deserves it. That's what I'm saying. He does not deserve to be in competitive matches with wrestlers that are below him. He deserves to take that next step. We see more of an edge in Jungle Boy than we have in the last two years in AEW. We see a direction for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. They're on their way to a title shot against the Lucha Brothers. So why are we not going to like have that accentuated more? Why not have Jungle Boy have a better matchup against people that he's actually in a feud with instead of just having him in a random matchup where he's getting a lot of defense time? He's getting some offense in, but he's also taking a lot of offense from a guy who's below him. And that's, like I said, no disrespect to anybody in this matchup, but that's all I'm saying. Jungle Boy needs to take that next step, and it's not Jungle Boy who needs to fucking do it. It's AEW needs to believe in him even more. And they believe in him, but it's not to the extent of MJF. It's not to the extent of Sammy Guevara. It is not to the extent of Darby Allen. They need to push Jungle Boy more. That's all I'm saying. Now let's talk about the person who's been the talk of the wrestling world for the last two weeks. Let's talk about Hook. Hook debuted last week on Rampage. Hook is now making his second matchup. He right now is the total package. Hook is going to be a star. A mega star. In my opinion. The son of Taz. Who has all the mannerisms of his father. Absolutely destroyed Twiggle Del Sol. Hook absolutely destroyed Bear Bronson, a guy who's like triple his size, hitting beautiful task plexes, dropping him on his head. Now, every Wednesday, I cover old school ECW here on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Right now in 1997, Taz is running the world in ECW. And I'm telling you right now, I see a lot of similarities going back and watching that old school ECW. Listen to it here on this podcast. I see a lot of similarities between old school Taz and his boy Hook. Taz had that ominous entrance, the towel on his face, no, you know, nonchalant wrestling gear, the no, the no, uh, what's called bullshit, the no popping circumstances, he's just there to fight. Goes into the ring, arms crossed, beat me if you can, survive if I let you. That's Hook. Hook coming out with the action Bronson. Fire. I fuck with that heavy. That's fire. Coming in there and just knocking motherfuckers' heads off with clotheslines, with fucking forearms, with fucking cross faces, that headbutt he pulled out. And then he has the perfect form for all these judo tosses and all the fucking task plexes he's hitting. And to have his father on commentary actually explaining everything that Hook is doing in the moment. Explaining the judo tosses. Explaining that it doesn't matter that Bear Bronson is three times his size. When you are a master practitioner in judo, size does not matter. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. And I'm excited to see what AEW does with Hook. I say we keep Hook special. I don't think we have to have Hook every week. I think we keep Hook special. Because Hook is going to be a guy who's going to draw a lot of fans. Hook could be a guy who draws a lot of female fans. He's a good-looking kid. Hook is going to be a guy who is going to be a draw. He just needs more work. Let him run the indies. You know what I mean? AEW could hashtag send Hook to the indies and run rampant. And every Wednesday, you know, we... Might, well, not every Wednesday, but occasionally we see him come in and fucking destroy people. And then when the time is right, when the time is right, you have Hook come in and insert himself in a top feud. You have Hook 
come in and challenge for that TNT champion. And when that happens, that's when motherfuckers are going to be talking. Because right now, Hook is the fucking man. Anyway, going on this show, we also got Layla Hirsch and Chris Statlander. Pretty good matchup. A lot of intensity in that matchup. I didn't expect the amount of intensity. Chris Statlander won. Really good matchup. And the main event on Christmas night, we got Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title. It was a good matchup, but in the end, Cody Rhodes is once again the TNT champion. And boy, did that crowd boo his ass out the building. And I don't blame him. Cody Rhodes once again. It's the same old story. He did not need to win that title. And if he did win that title, that motherfucker better be thinking about going heel because that crowd might just fucking behead him one day because it is insane the amount of heat that he gets just for being himself. This crowd doesn't want to see Cody Rhodes take the title from one of the fucking four pillars. That was not a good booking decision if Cody Rhodes is going to be a babyface. But it may make sense if Cody Rhodes turns heel. And I talked about it a lot. I think it's time. Turn him heel. Anyway, that was all the AEW action that went down last week. A lot of good stuff. A lot of great stuff. A lot of newsworthy stuff. Let's get into the old school stuff now. We're going to be talking about Saturday night's main event. From 1985. The second ever Saturday night's main event. So when we come back from this break... We're talking all about October 5th, 1985, Saturday Night's Main Event. Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Sir, I graduated the top quarter of my class. We, we just, just don't, don't have a spot for you. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman. My chief qualification being... I'm uncontroversial. You know how we both ended up on the Supreme Court? Politics. Damn right. This may be the longest of shots, but it's also the last chance for a lot of women. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. I'm trying to get you to stand for something, man. Now go to it. Listen to Supreme, the battle for Roe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. gentlemen we are about to get into the october 5th 1985 edition of saturday night's main event the second ever episode of saturday night's main event on this show we got a wwf title match between hulk hogan and nikolai Volkov. we have a grudge match between paul orndorff and roddy piper shit we even got a wedding between uncle elmer and joyce who is uncle elmer and joyce before this show i really didn't know but I definitely seen a whole lot of them on this show. But we're going to get into October 5th, 1985, Saturday night's main event, episode two, right now. So let's cut the music and get right into all the action. All right, let's talk about it. Saturday night's main event, episode two. It starts out with Gene Oakland interviewing Classy, Freddie Blassie, and Nikolai Volkov. They talk shit about Hulk Hogan. Then we cut to an interview where Hulk Hogan's talking shit about Nikolai Volkov, saying that this is the good old USA. Basically, fuck the Soviet Union. And today he's going to run wild on Nikolai Volkov. He's going to hold on and keep the WWF champion. And he's going to wave the flag of old glory all over Nikolai Volkov's ass. Anyway, then we get Jim, uh, Hillbilly Jim with Uncle Elmer. Today's Uncle... 
the fuck? Uncle Elmer's wedding. Roddy Piper then cuts the promo ripping on Uncle Elmer, saying that no one cares about his wedding. We then get Vince McMahon and Jesse the Body Ventura. They're running down the show. Jesse the Body Ventura basically said my thoughts. There is no place in wrestling for a stupid-ass wedding. Because, you know, yeah, you know, we have many wrestling weddings, a lot of comedic wrestling weddings, a lot of historic wrestling weddings. This was not one of them. I never even knew this existed until I saw the show. But anyway... Opening matchup, we got the WWF title matchup. It is Nikolai Volkov versus Hulk Hogan. Nikolai, he he jump starts the match. He attacks Hulk Hogan. It's a lot of smash mouth action in this match. A lot of uh, just brawling. Nikolai with heavy clubs to the back of Hogan. A lot of uh, press slams on Hogan. Hogan gets his revenge. He, he takes out Nikolai. He gets a, he hits the press slam. He destroys Nikolai with the leg drop and the body slam. And he picks up the victory. He retains the WWF champion in this matchup. That was to be expected. Then they play some American music. You know, the, uh, I don't even know what it's called. I'm an American and I don't even know what it's called. But you know, that shit. Not, not, not the national anthem. Not America the Beautiful. Not... The, the fucking anything else. It was that shit. Not God bless America. You know, we got like Hulk Hogan was running for president or something. But anyway, then we got Uncle Elmer. He's there with Cousin Junior and Hillbilly Jim. He goes against Jerry Valiant of the Valiant Brothers. Uncle Elmer picks up the victory in six seconds when he hits the scoop slam and the victory. So Uncle Elmer is riding high before his wedding here. Next, we got the body shop. Jesse the Body Mentura. He brings out his guest for the night. It is Bobby the Brain Heaton. Bobby Heaton says that he has $50,000 for anybody who could take out Paul Orndorff. And if that man tonight is Roddy Piper, he would gladly hand over $50,000 of his hard-earned cash to Roddy Piper for taking out Paul Orndorff. Then we see Roddy Piper, and Roddy Piper says that if he destroys Paul Orndorff and he does not get his money from Bobby Heenan, he will rip out Bobby Heenan's throat next, and he said he will, he said a lot of graphic shit here, he will destroy Bobby Heenan, he'll rip him apart, he said, because he's a man with no friends, he's a man who was in the business for his own, and if Bobby Heenan does not pay up, then Bobby Heenan is basically going to have to feel the wrath of the rowdy one, because he was rowdy before rowdy was cool. Anyway. We next get Paul Orndorff and Rowdy Piper. This was a really good matchup, and you feel the intensity in this matchup. There was a lot of intensity in this matchup. These two really brought it to each other. Unfortunately, though, we did not get a finish to this matchup. This was thrown out after it became a wild brawl that went to the outside, into the ringside area. This was pretty ahead of its time. This was Kind of Attitude Era-ish, you know? And it was really cool to see because it's something that I did not expect to see on this show, especially when we're talking about Uncle Elmer and Hillbilly Jim doing a wedding and fucking Hulk Hogan versus Nikolai Volkov. I didn't expect to see such a wild brawl that would bring me to bring me back to, like, the Attitude Era times and bring me back to some of the wild brawls that we would see in ECW. I mean, there was chairs flying. There was some hardcore shit in this, so I really... You know, I urge everybody to go out and go see Saturday Night's Main Event Episode 2 and specifically watch this matchup between Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff because they definitely brought the heat to each other. It was pretty intense. There was a couple shots there where it looked like Roddy Piper was throwing live rounds, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was, I'm going to say, because that shit looked pretty stiff. Anyway, we next get the wedding. Uncle Elmer. He's getting married to Joyce. I don't even know if Joyce has a last name. To be honest, I'm not familiar with Uncle Elmer or Joyce. I really kind of zoned out. During this, we got Jesse the Body Ventura and Vince McMahon doing commentary on the wedding. And Jesse Ventura is just basically cracking jokes on Uncle Elmer. The most entertaining part of this wedding was Jesse the Body Ventura's commentary. Um, During this, though, Roddy Piper comes out. He objects to the wedding. Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, who are standing there in the wedding, they, they look like they're about to rip Roddy Piper's head off, but Piper doesn't give a fuck. And I love this attitude of Piper. This attitude that Roddy Piper has is, yo, if 
no one ever said it before. I'm going to say it. Roddy Piper was the Stone Cold Steve Austin of the fucking 80s. This guy walked around like his shit don't stink and he don't give a fuck. He would fight anybody. He would go one against 10 and he was a heel. He just didn't give a fuck. But I, I love that about him. Anyway, the wedding goes on. Kind of cringe, though. It was pretty cringe. I, I did like Piper's involvement, but this was a pretty cringe segment. Um, next, we got Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy versus Andre the Giant and Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas gets hurt during the match. The match is thrown out when John Studd and King Kong Bundy, they just jump. Basically, Andre, they don't listen to the referee's count. Hulk Hogan makes the save. He announces that he wants a matchup where he teams up with Andre the Giant to go against Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy. That should be good, but this is the second match on the show that has no finish. So for, you know, WWE to be basically showcasing themselves on NBC here, basically not having finishes, I I don't know. Like, how do you get away with having showcases of what we could do, but then you're not showing what you could do, basically. Next, another very cringeworthy segment. We got George the Animal Steel and Mean Gene Okerlund in the zoo. And George the Animal Steel's talking to animals. I could have done without that. We next get the main event match. It is a tag team title match between... Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Tony Guerrero and Leaping Lanny Poffo. Beefcake and the Hammer, they get the victory. Pretty quick squash match. We then get the wedding reception between, well, the the wedding reception for Uncle Elmer and Joyce. They got a lot of fucking time on this show. I don't get it. But anyway, Jesse the Body Ventura, he basically crashes the wedding ceremony. Not the ceremony, the uh, the reception. But then Hulk Hogan, he gets up. Andre the Giant looks like he's about to attack Jesse Ventura. But then Hillbilly Jim, he pushes Jesse the Body Ventura into the wedding cake. Ventura has wedding cake all over him. Everyone gets up and starts square dancing. Like, bro, I don't care. But it is announced before the show ends. It is announced that they will be coming back. Saturday night's main event, episode three, will be main evented by Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant teaming up against Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy. This show was not good. This show was very cringe. Old school wrestling could be great. Just ask Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. I really enjoyed that match. But the WWF title match between Nikolai and Hulk Hogan was eh. But not getting a finish to Orndorff and Piper. I could even understand that. But not having a finish to Stud and Bundy versus Andre and Atlas. And then a lot of time being dedicated to the wedding of Joyce and uh, Uncle Elmer. Who's this for? Because even during the wedding, that crowd looked dead. So who is this for? Obviously, WWF was here. They were showcasing, thanks to the efforts of the friendship of Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon, they were showcasing what they could do for the second time ever here on NBC, National Broadcast Television. And they d- dedicated most of this show, a majority of the show, to Uncle Elmer and Joyce during a wedding. Show gets a one out of five stars, and that one star it did get was because of the wild brawl from Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. But when we come back, the old school trip down memory lane ain't over yet. Strapping your seatbelt, we're going back into the Wrestling DeLorean, and we're going to go about 11 years into the future, and we're going to be talking about Monday Night Raw from June 17th, 1996. So stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to end off this show like we end off every single Monday. For the last time here in 2021, we're going to be doing the fight for Monday night, where we go back in time and talk about Monday Night Raw during the Attitude Era. 
during the new generation era. Every era. We go back in time and we talk about Monday Night Raw every week, episodically here on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. This episode is June 17th, 1996. We're not going to be talking about WCW. I told you last week that that show sucks, and for the foreseeable future, we're not going to be talking about it, but we are going to be talking about Raw, so let's get into it right now. June 17th, 1996, this is the go-home show before the King of the Ring 1996, which I will be covering next week, next Monday, the first Monday of 2022, I will be covering the King of the Ring 1996, 26 years later. I'm going to be covering that show, and I already know going into that show that that show is an historic, historic show for the reason of that that is the show where Austin 316 is born. So I'm so excited about that. But before we could get there, we got to talk about this. This show starts out with, ironically, Stone Cold Steve Austin in his King of the Ring matchup against Savio Vega. Now, these guys have been having a feud for a long time. These guys faced off at WrestleMania 12. They had a strap match at In Your House, Beware of Dog. So, this is a bit of a grudge. And Savio Vega, for the last couple matches, has been getting the better of Stone Cold Steve Austin. But, in this matchup, not the case. Good chemistry here. Great chemistry. Great action here. But, in the end, Stone Cold Steve Austin advances to the next round of the King of the Ring. Good matchup. Next we get Mark Miro and Owen Hart in a King of the Ring matchup. This matchup was really good. A lot of chemistry with these ties too. And a lot of good high-flying action. A lot of people, like it's talked about on the Owen Hart video package on AEW this past week. Owen Hart was a guy who really innovated that high-flying style. Mark Miro was also a guy who had a lot of high-flying in him too. The first time I ever seen a shooting star press was Johnny B. Bat. Mark Miro and Owen Hart had a really good matchup here. Mark Miro gets the victory, but in the end, Owen Hart attacks Mark Miro, and Mark Miro needs medical attention, but Mark Miro is advancing to the next round here in the King of the Ring. Really good matchup. We next get a promo from the British Bulldog about Shawn Michaels. He basically doesn't like the fact that Shawn Michaels has been looking at his wife been trying to fill up on his wife, and he's going to kick Shawn Michaels' ass at the King of the Ring. We get a big brawl, a big pull apart, a lot of wrestlers and security trying to pull Bulldog and Shawn Michaels apart. I'm excited to see Bulldog and Shawn Michaels at the King of the Ring. Their match at Beware of Dog was a double finish, so this is going to be the deciding factor on who is the better man between Michaels and Bulldog. It is for the WWF champion. Next, Jerry the King Lawler comes out. He attacks Aldo Montoya. He said this is to show what he's going to do to the Ultimate Warrior. As he's attacking Aldo Montoya, Jake the Snake Roberts makes a save. We next get the Brian Pillman press conference of him signing with the WWF. This is held in Titan Towers. Really cool moment. Brian Pillman is now here in the WWF. One of the guys that I did enjoy seeing when I was watching the WCW was Brian Pillman. So seeing him here, I know this is after the motorcycle accident, but seeing him here is going to be awesome. Even if it's just for the promos, I'm excited to see Pillman in the WWF. Main event, we got yet another King of the Ring match. It is Goldust versus Jake the Snake Roberts. This was a good match. It got some back and forth. A lot of psychology as to be expected for uh Jake the Snake Roberts, especially in his later years here. And Goldust always had a lot of psychology in this matches. Um, Harvey Whippleman is the referee. That's important because Goldust gets the victory after he throws actual gold dust into Jake the Snake Roberts' eyes and face. But then Harvey Whippleman notices the dust all over Jake the Snake's face. He reverses the decision, and it is announced that Goldust does not go on into the King of the Ring tournament, but in fact, it will be Jake Roberts advancing in the King of the Ring tournament. Like I said, King of the Ring will be this Sunday. I am going to be covering it here next Monday on the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. Show ends with Jim Cornette. He's naming the special guest referee that he had in the contract clause to the main event of Shawn Michaels versus Bridge Bulldog. And he announces that that man will be, that special guest referee will be none other than Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Now, this is significant because the last time Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning was a special guest referee was for WrestleMania 10, the matchup between Lex Luger and Yokozuna. And there was some foul play there. 
there was some collusion between Mr. Fuji, Yokozuna, but more importantly, Jim Cornette and Mr. Perfect. So there is a history of Jim Cornette picking Mr. Perfect to be a special guest referee in a title match situation and Mr. Perfect helping Jim Cornette, his guy, get the victory. So this should be really interesting. He swears to call it right down the middle, but his past record says differently. So I'm excited to see King of the Ring 1996. Like I said, covering here next week. It is the start of Austin 316. We're slowly creeping towards the Attitude Era, and I'm so freaking excited about that. Make sure you tune into Monday Night Raw tonight. Make sure you tune into NXT tomorrow. We will be talking about all the action that goes down this Wednesday on the next episode of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. Follow us on Twitter at W underscore DeLorean Pod. On TikTok at Wrestling DeLorean Pod. We're going to have a lot of cool shit coming to the YouTube. Up there already, we have interviews with the likes of Homicide, Vince Russo, Nick Gage. We have clips of the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. So go on there now and check out all that cool shit on the YouTube page. I am so excited to be back. I love you guys. I'm so excited to be here in the Wrestling DeLorean studios. Thank you so much for all the support. I love you all. I just want to say big shout-outs to everybody who flocked back to the Wrestling DeLorean podcast when I came back last week. I took a month off. My son was born with complications. He's in the NICU. He's in the hospital. We are still dealing with that battle, but all the support that I have got For my fans, I am so incredibly humble and grateful for. I love you guys so much. Thank you for all the support. You guys got me back on the Chartable Top 100. I'm already number 55. Thank you so much for everybody who rides with the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Without you, there is no us. And on the like from the bottom of my heart, I just got to say, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Going into this next year, I hope that we have a better year for all of us. We're all in this together, and I hope that we all have a better year. 2022, praise, love, support, positivity, one love. Thank you so much. I will catch you all this Wednesday on the Wrestling DeLorean Podcast. Peace out. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 